Hi, I'm Tracy Brown, the fraud busting body language expert, and welcome to another edition of Truth, Lies, and Cover-Ups. This one may sound a little bit bare bones. It's because my producer, Alex, is out of town, so I am on my own to bring you this special edition, and I, I wanted to do it uh, in a timely fashion. I uh, interviewed the, just this morning Mike Jones, who is a big-time hacker, because I wanted to know exactly what was going on in the back channels of the, the dark web with hacking around uh, the conflict with Russia and Ukraine, what's really going on. He uh, predicted a lot of what's what's what we're seeing right now just based on uh the chatter that he's heard both on um russian shortwave radio he he speaks russian and also um just by monitoring the the cyber i guess chatter and the attacks that were going on that that preempted the the physical conflict so i wanted to bring this to you I think you'll find it fascinating about how to hacks are really going on, how they're finding people to join, join in on them. And really there's no rules cyber warfare that uh, the media is just barely starting to report on, but is a, a, another front in, in what's going on. He's got some predictions that are um, a little bit dire, much uh, more intense than what I was hoping he would say, but um, I think you will find yourself a little bit better informed after listening. So enjoy. It's Tracy back again with another episode of Truth, Lies, and Cover-Ups, and this is a little bit of a special episode because I don't necessarily fancy myself a reporter, uh, but I'm super curious about what has been going on in Ukraine, I, and, and you, you just hear snippets of it in, in the news. Oh, there's hackers doing uh, doing things, you know, hacktivism is what they're calling it, taking down uh, certain targets that they're not feeling in alignment with, which pretty much is anything coming out of Russia, could be other things. So I wanted to find out about it because monitoring the back channels of the dark web is not my forte, but I knew we have a friend of the show who uh, he's in charge of that for us, uh, Mike Jones, he's been on before. And um, he, when it comes to hacking, he is our go-to expert. So, uh, so I sent him a note and here we are chatting today. Mike, thanks for taking a minute. It's Saturday. It's early. And I really appreciate you coming on. It's always a pleasure. I'm just, uh, I'm glad to be here. I'm honored that you wanted me to come talk about this. Yeah. So, um, you, you've done your fair share of, of hacking and taking down websites. And I know you're super tuned in to what's going on. Maybe is it on telegraph and probably a bunch of other, uh, sites where, you know, it's a little, let's just be straight. It's a little shady. And however, th there's, we just don't he hear the, really the inside of, of what's going on. Like when we turn on uh, NBC news. And so like, what do you know? You, Cause you said there's been chatter for a couple of weeks before the, the invasion really started, but can you take us through like, like what's gone on, what you're seeing, what's happening because like things get predicted or like alluded to and like, have you seen some of that come and go or like, let, what's the whole story? So going back to the beginning, uh, looking back at November <clears throat> and when tensions started to, to build, mm -hmm. um, I did a, uh, a interview with TechStrong TV uh, called Predict 22. And my predictions were that we were going to see ransomware used as a weapon. And it, that played out in January with Russia attacking the Ukraine uh, government um, with ransomware. Uh, 
Oh, okay. uh, later on, we saw Wiper uh, being released in Europe and really. Now wait, uh, what is that? Wait, okay, wait, hang on, back up. Sure. So did Ukraine pay the ransom for, no, they didn't. So, no, so their no. systems are locked up. Is that true? Uh, you know, I don't know the, the current status of their systems, okay. but I do know that they were affected. Um, they also hit the banking system, mm-hmm. uh, which shut down banking for a lot of people. Uh, there was a mad rush to the ATMs. And I saw this coming. It, I predicted that 2022 would be the year of geopolitical tension-driven um, hacking and hacktivism and basically the beginnings of a war. Mm-hmm. Um, and all that played out in January and February. And you know, looking at what's going on now, it's a very sensitive situation because now that hacktivist groups have gotten involved, started taking down, you know, criminal websites and services. Um, and, you know, you saw the Belarusian uh, partisans hacking group, you know, attacking the Belarusian train system to not let the Russians into the country. Oh, uh, no, I didn't know that. Wait, so so the, so Russians can't get into Belarus. They can. But but when it first started, when they first started bringing trains in, the Belarusian hackers, uh, the partisans actually attacked the Belarusian train system and shut down trains coming in. Of course, that came back up. Russia got in. Um, Belarus is actually helping support uh, the Russian initiative. Um, there's so many factors that are playing in and the information that's coming out. You know, I, I tell people, don't just watch Fox News or CNN. You know, look at the state run media in Russia. You know, go to that go to that broadcast and, and take a look at it and see what they're broadcasting, as well as anything come out of Ukraine. Um, because everybody's playing a propaganda game. And that, that happens in any conflict. Sure. Uh, you know, at one point you had Russia saying that the uh, Ukrainian soldiers were turning themselves in. I watched the video on Russian TV. Um, you know, I have a Russian language experience, so I was you know, translating everything as it was going. And on the same information, Ukraine was claiming that Russian soldiers were turning themselves in. So, it, you know, it goes both ways. Uh-huh. Um, but with the hacking, it's, it's very sensitive. And, you know, I wish that hacktivists weren't getting involved. And this is why. Not because they're not doing a noble thing by, you know, attacking, you know, Russian assets, government assets. But if they hit the wrong IP address or if they hit a system that, that controls something else that could cause kinetic damage to the infrastructure or people, um, that could trip a world war. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not something to play with. Um, and, you know, I understand like during conflicts, people get patriotic and, and people want to go help any way they can. But if anybody's listening and thinking about jumping on a computer and attacking Russian IPs, please don't. Um, you know, that that could have ramifications that could include the whole entire world. Um, you know, Putin has already talked about uh, thermobaric weapons, nuclear, nuclear weapons, you know, and just one small move that could affect their infrastructure, we could be in a nuclear war tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, that and just, you know, all the chatter on the underground Everybody is, is taking sides and, you know, on the streets, people are taking sides. And I, I keep hearing Russians, this Russians, that, well, you know, I try to explain this in every podcast want just to reinforce it is that the Russian people had no say in this, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're the innocent people stuck in the middle as long, you know, as well as Ukrainians who are going through devastating travesties. Um, but let's not, you know, turn this into a xenophobia type deal where all of a sudden Russians become the enemy because it's not it's putin this is putin's decision um i have friends that are from russia and you know it's devastating for everybody because the sanctions 
and the things that are going on uh, behind the scenes aren't affecting the government. They're affecting the people mm-hmm. and they'll end up suffering a lot. Um, but, you know, as far as like what's going on, you know, it's crazy because I was just on a yachting uh, radio show yesterday about the same topic and they're seizing oligarchs, um, you know, super yachts. Yeah. So this is, a, this is a big deal. Um, and again, the infrastructure attacks are pretty bad. Uh, when you look at American banks being affected by Russian hackers, you know, that that's, you know, it's happening. Um, and to, in my honest opinion, I think this goes back all the way to solar winds. I think that it goes back to what again? Solar winds. Oh, wait, okay. I, talk I, about that. So solar winds um, was attacked by a group of Russian hackers that um, infiltrated one of their update servers and affected a package that ended up giving them a backdoor into all of these um, systems that monitor networks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was a big hack, uh, it had a huge effect, uh, but they've been amping up their, I guess, network attacks and cyber attacks for a period now. Uh, we've seen a lot of activity, you know, so you saw the Conti leaks. Mm-hmm. Um, I reviewed all of those uh, documents and this has been building. Well, the Conti and- leaks. Okay. Talk about that just a little bit. Sure. So Conti like raised their ugly head not too long ago. And, um, and, and was, they're uh, like a, they're a group of the r- ransomware group, ransomware group. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the disgruntled employees within the Conti uh, circle leaked a bunch of documents, uh, chat logs, um, manuals on how they uh, perform business and, and infect people and the type of tools that they use. Uh, so we, we spent last week like reviewing all those documents and looking at some of the tools, some pretty, some pretty cool tools. Um, a lot of them were very basic, but it goes to show that, you know, computers across the world are not very, um, I guess, defensive when it comes to, you know, tools because people don't patch mm-hmm. um, and it doesn't take much to, to infiltrate those systems. Uh, but, you know, you, you see all of these factors playing in and then the Russian hackers going after the Ukrainian systems. And then you hear the Ukrainian government trying to solicit hackers to take a look at their systems and, and find flaws and find bugs so that they can protect themselves. Um, and, you know, just looking at the way the U.S. is posturing, uh, I can't help but think that, you know, Putin warned of a cyber attack against the U.S., and, you know, this war has been two pronged. It's been kinetic and it's also been on cyber means. Mm. Uh, the cyber portion was preemptive to the whole conflict. And I think that if the U.S. starts to encroach or show more physical support, um, I think Putin will definitely uh, start with some more cyber attacks mm. against our infrastructure, banking, um, transportation, anything they can. Uh, and then hopefully it will stop there. But, you know, I, I just I don't have a really good outlook when it comes to the results of, of this whole conflict. So so when the actual like tanks started going in, like the only thing I can think is, um, <clears throat> why don't we just turn their Internet off? Like instead of like this is World War Two, like just like it. It seems like the time for that has come and gone. However, here we are. So what's your thought on what what can be done like on the on the Ukrainian side to to be a big enough shock to where they're like, okay, let's maybe have I mean they they try to cease fire in a couple cities. I just heard this morning it didn't really work out that good. What um 
Is there any tool that's being left that that's, everyone's like, nope, just don't do that one just yet? Like, what's the like, what's what's really going on with that? <clears throat> you know, what's really frustrating, uh, you know, watching the the U.S. government and their interaction with with this you know, and the Ukraine and Russia. Uh, we were way too late to the to the party mm-hmm. um, with helping. Uh, the they need air support really bad in Ukraine. Um, which we refuse to give them. Um, and he, here's my question. This goes back to politics. And I know that this is part of the show, but, but what I don't understand and what I'm trying to, to wrap my brain around is we go into Iraq to free people from a dictator with no problem. But yet we have people and children being killed daily. And for some reason, we're not helping because they're not a NATO country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of frustrating that, that we're going to sacrifice people's lives because someone's not a membership of a special club. You know, it, it's a humanitarian thing. Yeah, you got a point. And, you know, it's just really frustrating. And then when you see the support that we're giving, not only are we giving it way too late, um, but the weapons that we sent, the vast majority of them didn't even show up until today. And we're, what, six or seven days into the conflict? Yeah, well, it's just. Let's, let, let's talk about that. When, yeah. Like, what are you hearing? Because when you, when you ship someone weapons, Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I assume we have a stock of weapons somewhere, warehouses, and you know, just put them in a crate and send them off. But the the ports are really um, embattled right now. So how how do you like? How would you receive weapons if like? What are you hearing? What's going on? Well, most of it's coming through Poland. Um, mm-hmm. You know, most of those weapons are coming through Poland. You know, Poland is one of those countries that is right there on the border. And, you know, they've already said that if it falls into Poland, if it, you know, the invasion touches those borders, then NATO has to get involved. Um, so that's kind of a protected country. And so they bring the weapons in through Poland um, and other NATO countries to funnel into the Ukrainians. Uh, the problem is there's so much traffic on that border with people trying to get out. Yeah. Um, a lot of people tried to get out this morning and were bombed and they end up having to come, you know, turn around and come back. Uh, it's just, it's a really messy situation there. And the politics that are at play are just absolutely horrible. Um, I think we're failing as a world when it comes to protecting people and, and letting politics and special clubs get in the way. Uh, but the cyber means, you know, so we started amping up in the U.S. before the conflict. Um, Department of Justice sent out a warning to, you know, companies and people in general that, um, you know, expect a cyber attack um, on the infrastructure. And this was one of my predictions from last year is that this conflict, we're going to see infrastructure attacks. It, mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, we've already seen it in Europe. Um, we've seen it in Ukraine and Russia. Uh, it's going to hit here eventually. Um, the more time that we stay out of the conflict, the more that that tension builds. Um, and I, I hate to say this, but I think at some point the crosshairs will be turned on us um, mm-hmm. because of our activity and our support for Ukrainians. So what specifically do you know has been targeted in Russia, in the Ukraine, in Europe? Like what what do you know for sure? Like because I guess, do people get on and just kind of brag about what they've been doing? Or do they say, hey, we need help on it? Like, how does this really go down? So so with, with one specific hacktivist group, um, they have uh, Op Ukraine um, and Op Russia, uh, Ukraine for support and Op Russia for, you know, people attacking, wanting people to attack Russia. IP addresses are, are given out uh, through different channels. So people um, can just sign up. Basically, yeah. And that's oh. what's scary. 
That's wow. Really like anybody true. could just sign up and be like, hey, attack. And I'm sure they're doing the same thing to us, right? So mm-hmm. just attack yeah. the US. So you right. can just go to a site and and put in your uh, hacker name and, and just go to town. It's, it's really that easy. Well, the, you know, the hacktivist groups have social media, of course, and then they have um, channels to communicate, uh, whether it be, you know, through encrypted means or whether it's, you know, Slack or, or mm-hmm. Twitch or any of those types of, of uh, platforms where you can communicate and they rally support for those operations. Um, and that's the way it's always been. Uh, back in the day, we used to use IRC to uh, communicate and uh, build support for different operations. But like you said, anybody can do this. And as long as you have the IP address that are given out, or even if you don't have it, you can go to Shodan and look at you know Russian infrastructure, um, which to me is super scary. Because, Wait, what's like it called? Uh, Shodan. It's like Shodan. a website that. Okay. It's a website that actually shows uh, vulnerable systems across the world and gives IP addresses. Oh my gosh! Um, you can do a search for ICS systems, which are industrial control systems, and dig up those IP addresses. Um, and that's really scary, you know, because there's a lot of people out there that, that aren't aren't skilled in cyber warfare. And I had a uh, conversation with uh, Dr. Chase Cunningham. Um, he and I were both cryptologists in the military. He was a chief. He helped develop the uh, program that I was in. Um, and, and it's really interesting because he has the same, he has a really good view on what cyber warfare is. He has a book called Cyber Warfare. And a lot of these people, like, that's our concern is that people are going to get involved and not really know what they're doing. And there's no rules on the cyber battlefield. It's mm-hmm. not like kinetic battle where, you know, there's a Geneva convention uh, or there's right. rules to engagement. Cyber warfare is, is so modern that nobody has really laid those lines of uh, rules of engagement. Mm-hmm. Um, Obama tried during his uh, presidency and he basically laid the line in the sand and said, uh, you know, an attack on our infrastructure is a declaration of war. Um, but so far, we've not held up to that, uh, I guess, to that mantra. And mm-hmm. we've kind of backed down. We've had um, attacks on the infrastructure. You had the Colonial Pipeline. You had the water treatment facility yeah. in Florida. But the problem is attribution, right? So are we going to be able to, to trace back attribution to the actual group and then to the country? Um, that, you know, maybe sent the message to attack that infrastructure. That's the sticky part. So the, the, cyber, the cyber war that goes on is very hard to, I guess, put in black and white. Mm. Um, and with, with a free-for-all, with everybody being involved, you know, a kid out of Florida could attack a Russian IP address and trigger a nuclear war. Yeah. Um, it's just really scary. And I, it, this is the times we live in, and that's what we've come to. You know, we don't have a reign on cybersecurity. Uh, we don't have our country as protected as it probably should be. And, uh, you know, we're just, it, we're opening ourselves up for that type of, of conflict. Wow. So, so then what's the, because when we uh, first started talking about this, it was what, like maybe Wednesday or something. And you're like, Trace, something's going to happen on Friday. Mm-hmm. Like from what I'm hearing, did anything happen or what? Tell me about well, how that went. There was a lot of negotiations that, that were going on. Um, and before, before the end of this week, you started seeing like th- there was word that, that Russia was having a problem that, you know, the, uh, logistics, the, the gas, the food, all that stuff, they were struggling. Yeah. Um, and they thought that maybe that would stop Putin. Um, but 
knowing his psychology and really studying people and politics and geopolitics and how the psychology plays into all of it, Putin's not a man who's going to back down. Right. Um, once he started, you're going to have to kill him. You're going to have to stop him somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, if not, he's going to keep keep on going. Um, and you saw the talks that, that they were having about um, a ceasefire. Uh, and people were, were really, uh, you know, hoping that that would have some effect. But you saw him just amp up the pressure and starting, you know, pointing guns towards Odessa and to other parts of uh, Ukraine. The nuclear facility attack uh, yeah. was, after, was after Wednesday. Yeah, they, they, uh, they took the... Uh, like you had to really read in the news, like the nuclear facility wasn't on fire. The office next door was on fire. Right. And I thought they were pretty smart to like, they're not going to. Right. That, right. It's, it's, it's Europe's largest nuclear power plant. Think of the leverage that uh, Putin would have by controlling that facility and cutting off power. Well, they, they got it, didn't they? Yeah, they, they did. Yeah. So, I mean, how, what are you hearing on online about, uh, I mean, if you take over a nuclear plant, like you got to know how to run it. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you think, I mean, you can't just like start punching buttons, Homer Simpson style, like it's not going to work. So what do they do? Are they, I mean, are they behind the scenes um, running it from Moscow? Like what are they, no. what's going on? When they, when they took over the nuclear power plant, um, they also took hostages. Uh, they had Ukrainians that were running the power plant, still running the power plant under gunfire. Um, so, and and they're aiming at other nuclear facilities as well. There's like five or six within the Ukraine, uh, controlling the nuclear power plant that they took control of, uh, it's the largest in Europe. Um, and they control that now, uh, you know, and along with a lot of natural resources, um, they have the leverage on their side. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people underestimated Putin's plan and ability. You know, he's very strategic. The people he has working for him. Uh, you know, hopefully they start turning their backs. But I mean, the war is still going on. Sure. Uh, so you know, go ahead. So then, what's what's the next thing that that you're hearing chatter about? Like, what's your prediction on what's what's coming? I mean, obviously, there's not a lot great on the horizon. But what's your? Do you have specifics like uh, that you're hearing that you can kind of interpret? I don't have like very specific details that I can release, but. I can tell you that this week, Putin also flew two bombers to Venezuela um, that are nuclear. They, they carry nuclear bombs, mm-hmm. uh, some of the largest uh, to do exercises in the Caribbean. So he's strategically placing himself at a point of leverage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think he has bigger plans. I know that Moldova is is on the map for you know the invasion. Uh, and I think at some point, knowing his psychology and, and watching him over the years, I think that he's the type of guy, like I said, that he's not going to stop and not look weak. Um, oh, right. He's going to continue until, you know, he, if he gets in a situation where he feels like it's failing, he's going to make a drastic move. And my fear is that he's going to attack a NATO country or even worse, uh, deploy thermobarics or a nuclear weapon, a regional nuke. Uh, he's already sent his two daughters to Siberia to an underground city that's nuke, you know, nuke, nuke fallout proof, along with his ex-wife of 30 years. Um, so he's preparing for the worst in the long haul. This is not going to be a five or seven day war. This is going to be an ongoing thing until somebody stops him. 
mm-hmm. um, or until the people in, in Russia finally have enough. Uh, you know, pe- I had a talk last night with, with a friend of mine from Russia and the, uh, the punishment for what's going on um, for the people is outrageous. Uh, you know, you get days in jail if you even have a flag or anything that's anti-war. If you speak up against the, uh, the regime, you get time in prison. People that tried to leave the country, their cell phones are being, you know, investigated and pictures, you know, looked at and those people are interrogated. Uh, and of course, the banking system is falling apart um, and they're turning a lot to cryptocurrency to keep things going. Now, let's talk about that, because that was one of the things, because um, part of me is like, oh, the demand for Bitcoin is pretty high. Better buy some. Right. <laughs> like, I mean, right. so let's say we turn off the banking system, which we kind of have, like the credit cards don't work. I think Google's putting like the, um, Facebook's turned off over there, like um. So the ruble is worth less than uh, a. Is it a Dodge coin? Is that what they're talking about? Like (laughs) Dodge coin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the ruble's worth like nothing. People are taking everything out of the uh, ATMs that they can, but still, it's just it's just paper, right? It's it's not worth anything. So how does Bitcoin play into this? What's going on? So every country that we put sanctions on, whether it be North Korea, China, whoever. The first thing that they do is they go after Bitcoin. You see a lot of Bitcoin wallet attacks uh, through the through the internet, um, and you see a lot of North Korean hackers start looking for Bitcoin and mining Bitcoin. Uh, you know, deploying malware that, that hijacks system resources to to mine Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, like the sanctions, they serve a purpose, but really, to be honest with you, the only thing the sanctions do is harm the people of the country, mm-hmm. you know, people who don't have anything. You know. It, in this fight. Um, and just to put things in perspective, so when you look at the, the Russian economy, I was speaking with my Russian friend last night, and we were talking about what home was like now as opposed to the 90s. So go back to the 90s. And back then, people were getting uh, coupons or, or tickets for bread, mm-hmm. milk, flour, like Apple the food. bare necessities. And people had to grow the rest of their food. This was the 90s. We're talking like archaic times just, you know, 10, 15 years ago, mm-hmm. um, 20 years ago. So, you know, it, what they're facing now is complete collapse um, because of all these sanctions and these people are going to be without food. Um, but of course, the government and you know, the regime are, are not going to be harmed because they have stashes and stashes of, of cash. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, you're going to see a lot of Russian hackers desperate, you know, and they're going to start hacking things to, to get Bitcoin or to compromise banks to get money. Uh, you know, it's, it's a bad situation and the governments are fighting each other. But what's happening is they're spurring a lot of cybercrime along the way because when people get desperate, they're going to do what they know how to do. Right. Uh, and Russia is full of, of you know, very educated people uh, when it comes to cyber and some very potent cyber teams. Um, so I would look for a lot of attacks coming up. Now, can you buy anything with Bitcoin over there? Because, you know, I've always made fun of Bitcoin. I'm like, ah, oh, Bitcoin's for hackers and terrorists. Like, you, like you can't really, like, like, it's not like a useful thing cur- currently that I see. But what, what are you seeing going on, like, given that we have, I mean, it's like, it's since we haven't had a war since Bitcoin kind of got popular. So, so, so Bitcoin is actually a, a very tangible um, uh, currency. And why I say that is there are ATMs that you can actually 
invest in Bitcoin and get mm-hmm. Bitcoin out. So it's become it's become pretty mainstream. Mm-hmm. Um, now, as far as how that translates in Russia, I don't know um, how their banking structure is uh, set up right now because of the disconnect from SWIFT and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm sure that they have ways to transfer Bitcoin into rubles uh, to continue, you know, their economy or whatever. So I would look at those prices for, for cryptocurrencies. If you're going to buy crypto, I'd probably do it now. Yeah. Wow. So, so you think, but okay. So but if you transfer your Bitcoin, which has value to a ruble, which doesn't have value, like you got to be pretty desperate to be doing that. And you got to, I, I would think, think that you have a good deal on something that is worth d- doing that. Right. Cause yeah, I'm just, I'm a little bit blown away by how desperate so let me put, you'd have to be to do that. Let, let me put things in perspective, right? So mm-hmm. when I was not allowed to have a bank account, um, one of the things I did was go through, I don't want to name them, but they're, they're like a banking system on the internet. Okay. Um, and I was able to get an ACH deposit into that account. Um, now, not having ability to have like an American bank account, I would transfer that as soon as it would hit that account. I would transfer it into cryptocurrency. Oh, really? And I, and I had a debit card from that account where I could use that. I could use the cryptocurrency translated to US dollars with that, with that debit card. In a debit card. Oh, wow. Um, so that could be going on. Now, do you think, because you can't, when you're in a foreign country, you have to buy whatever with that country's currency. So, so could they go Bitcoin to dollars to rubles or, I mean, that they probably get, no, they couldn't do that they, or they, they could. They could, go, they could go straight to, to rubles um, depending on which platform they're using. Uh, uh-huh. We do have, we do have uh, platforms like PayPal and stuff like okay. that that are worldwide. Um, and all it takes is a deposit into that account and they can transfer that into their rubles or whatever. Um, but again, you know, using us dollars in a foreign country, you can still do that. Um, you can go to an exchange and, and transfer that, um, especially like in different parts of Europe, you know, if you want to the Euro, um, you know, it just, it takes a lot of desperation for one. Um, and if that's the only way that you can spend money or, or survive, like people find ways um, yeah. to, to, to get what they need. Mm-hmm. Uh, like me, for instance, you know, I was not going to be held back from not being able to bank, you know, how am I supposed to survive? Sure. So I found ways around it uh-huh. um, and that's what they'll do. Okay, so then um, the hackers in the Ukraine attacking Russia, are they actually in the Ukraine anymore? Or are they, um, I mean, do they, they, do they have any infrastructure to be able to plug in their laptop and go, or like, what's, what's really going on? Thanks to the U.S., they, they do have internet. Mm-hmm. Um, Elon Musk sent over uh, Starlink. Uh, which is a satellite-based internet service provider. Okay. Uh, we have it here in the U.S. We've had it for a while, uh, but he deployed a, a ton of uh, Starlink terminals to the Ukraine so they can you know, maintain connectivity. Um, I don't know exactly how much connectivity they're getting to Russia, uh, you know, because th- there has been some connections that have been severed uh, to Russia. But again, you, know, you don't necessarily have to go through Russia or through the Ukraine to do it, you know, you can go to other countries through IP, uh, mm-hmm. you know, different proxies to to attack Russia, and that's what they'll do. Um, but the U.S. is fueling all that as well. You know, we're fueling those those connections from the Ukraine to other places, so that the, you know attackers can do that. Um, and that's another thing is you know that 
behind the scenes, there's a lot of governments and, and countries getting behind the cyber attacks against Russia. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, that's the war that we don't see. And that war, that type of war has been going on for years. You know, look at Estonia when Russia attacked, attacked Estonia. Yeah. Um, so cyber war is not something new, uh, but the media is focusing on it a lot now and really bringing it into view. And still a lot of people don't understand, uh, I guess, the dichotomy of the situation when it comes to cyber attack. Uh, because it hasn't been broadcast that much uh, sure. until now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Interesting. All right. Anything else I haven't asked that, that maybe you have a little intel on here before we wrap up? I, I would I would watch for Putin to, to take some desperate measures here in the next week or so. Um, I think that his progress is going to get slowed again. And like I said, he's the type of man that when he thinks something's going to fail, he's going to throw a Hail Mary. And unfortunately, that Hail Mary that he may throw may bring us all into the conflict. So I, w- I would watch for that within the next week or two, maybe. Got it. Got it. All right. And Mike, uh, you have a podcast of your own where I'm sure you dig into this much more deeply. So what is that? Where can people find you? Um, it's the Haunted Hacker podcast. It's on uh, YouTube, Spotify, and all the major uh, audio platforms. Um, we just picked up a, a program with uh, BonesCoffee.com, um, so make sure you go there and buy your coffee. Uh, but yeah, there, and I speak all over the place. I'll be in Atlanta um, at the end of this month. I'll be in Pittsburgh uh, the week before. Um, so you know, catch me there and, and uh, enjoy the podcast. And subscribe if you can, and I'll keep you up to date as to what's going on in, in the motherland. Absolutely. Yeah, we might be doing this again. So uh, keep keep your notes and, and we'll we'll talk. Thank you so much, Mike. Thank you, Tracy. It's, um, it's a pleasure to be here. And, and thanks again. And, and you do such a great job when it comes to covering these topics.